Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Judges chapter 6, that's a scripture we don't use a lot. You love the Word of God. Now we're studying what we call the basics. Number one, you must be born again. People that don't understand that, it's, it's normal not to understand what that means. What do you mean? You say the first time it was mentioned in the Bible in John chapter 3, Jesus told a man who was basically a, 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 what we would call a minister back in those days. He said, you must be born again or you cannot understand, comprehend, or see anything that pertains to the kingdom of God. Everybody say kingdom of God. Now the kingdom of God is the way God does things. Amen. It is his dominion upon the earth and the way he exercises his dominion upon the earth is through you and through me. Without you and without me, God can exercise no dominion upon the earth. You know, uh, something very unique, I'll just mention this, chase, chase a little uh, uh, rabbit for a minute and then we'll come back. Amen. There is a little meat on a rabbit. Amen. Uh, uh, you know, we talk about living in the last days. How close are we? How close could we be to the rapture of the church? How close could we be to all of this? Well, listen, literally the three nation uh, consortium that will come down that, that same quarter that every uh, uh, invading army has ever come into that northern Africa, Middle East area that has come down through that area, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Romans, the Greeks, they're going to come down that same corridor and they're going to approach Israel with the, with, the, with, the, uh, with the intention of annihilating Israel. Amen? Then if you read your scripture, you study your scripture, you know that God will destroy that army. Boom! Just like that. Now that will be the beginning of the tribulation period. But understand this, scripturally, according to the word of God, you cannot, God cannot destroy that army if the church is here. You say, now, I, I, can't God be God? God can do anything he wants to. God is God. But the Bible says he does all things after the counsel of his own will. And his word and his will are synonymous, which means when he, when he looks down upon that invading army coming down from the north and destroys them supernaturally, we cannot be here. You say, why not? Because he has given us his authority. That authority has to be returned. That army is not gathering. That army is gathered and loaded and locked and ready for combat. They are staying in a, in a stationary position right now. I see the hand of God holding them back until the church does what God's called the church to do. So how close are we? We're close. We're close. And I know that God shows men and women People who are, who are prayer, uh, prayer warriors, people that intercede, people begin, and I sense it sometimes. I begin to sense this great eternal destiny. It's like you pray and you walk through a, through a door and everything is so big and vast and you're like, oh my God. And God is saying, this is it. This is it. This is it. And I was waiting. I, I, I listened to, uh, how many of y'all listen to Joe Morris? For you that don't know, every Wednesday, I think you can go to Joe Morris Ministries. Uh, uh, yeah, end time update. And he does a little, a little, a little, uh, what would you call it? A blog or something like that where he goes, he does all the research during the week and goes in and looks what's going on in Israel, what's going on in, in the Middle East, what's going on. And listen, we're not getting that information right now. Israel has been striking into Lebanon and Syria every day. Every day, destroying convoys, destroying uh, missile sites. And you've got to understand this. The Bible says in, in Isaiah that Damascus will be removed in one day. 
Well, that means either it's hit by a nuclear strike or there's a nuclear weapon there that Israel hits a preemptive strike. And, and we're going to wake up one morning, you're going to turn on the news and they're going to say, something's happened in the Middle East, something happened and it'll be on all the cameras, the satellite and everything else. And I'm going to tell you, it's going to cause a panic to sweep across this world, but we're going to be ready. We're not going to be surprised. We have inside information. We know what God is doing and we're going to be ready to receive the harvest of God to come right on in. Glory to God. You say, well, what if you can't build a church fast enough? We'll just go by the convention center. Joel did it, amen. And last time, it's been, what's it been since we talked to, to Pastor Joel and Victoria? About four years. Breland, it was Breland's 18th birthday. So it's been about three. So we, we, we ran into to, to Pastor Joel Osteen and, and Pastor Victoria in, in, uh, in a store in Houston. So we, we, we talked to Joel for about five minutes. He disappeared. He came back with Victoria and we had about a 20-minute conversation. And that's exactly what he was saying. He said, Rusty, Rusty, you don't understand. We were going to build. But then all of a sudden that, that came available and everything just fell into place. He said the city government of Houston said, there's no way, no way you'll ever buy that. What was it? The Omni? Compact center is a compact center. And he said, he said, they told us day after day after day after day after day. No, 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 no. And then one day, they said yes. So you never know what the Lord may do. Amen. I got a deal in the mail the other day that said our land has increased in value almost 25%. And see, when you pay cash, when that 25% comes, you get that. You don't have to pay it off in interest. So why would we get off on that? That's good anyway. <laughs> now, Judges chapter 6, the story of Gideon. Most of you are aware of the story of Gideon, but I want to kind of pull it out or pull something out of that story to help you in what I call the basics. Everybody say the basics. Now, thank God when I came to the Lord, the Lord sent some people around me. There were people around me very quickly after I came back to the Lord that wanted to assure me that if I got hooked up with people like John Osteen or Kenneth Hagin, that it would ruin my life. So I went and got hooked up with them anyway, and it didn't ruin my life. <laughs> but then God sent me other wonderful ministers, one of them in particular, somebody very precious to my, top, my heart, uh, uh, an evangelist named Mark Hankins. And Mark sent me an enormous amount of teaching on redemption, but, but particularly on who you are in Christ. Now, I needed that more than, I didn't, I didn't need prosperity. I, didn't, I, didn't need, I needed an identity change. You say, why? Because my identity was corrupted through 12 years of sin and being backslidden. And I needed to be broken free from the mindsets and the strongholds and everything that the enemy had done and that I had cooperated with. I ought to get a better amen than that. Amen. I mean, this the devil made me do it. That doesn't wash. Amen. No, you just cooperated with him. Amen. So as I begin to study and as I begin to say, everybody say, you say, what do you mean by that? Well, we, we've been studying the new birth, how we're born again. We're born from above. We're washed by the blood of Jesus. Uh, our spirit man on the inside has been completely remade. Our soul is being renewed by the word of God. And one day we'll step into a glorified body. That is the completed plan of redemption for you as God's child. Amen. Amen. What the millennial reign is going to be, I don't know, but I'm going to tell you one thing. It's going to be glorious. You do not want to miss it. And you do not want to lose your place that you have in the kingdom of God and in the body of Christ because God's going to use you not only in that millennial reign, but he's going to use you throughout the expanses of time and the great expanse of the universe. You say, what does that mean? Our peanut brains can't even figure that out. 
We're going to have to go through about a thousand years of living glorified before we figure that out. Amen. But in the meantime, you're stuck down here on earth and one of the greatest, listen, one of the greatest hindrances and one of the greatest weights upon our lives is our past. Now, God did not save us for us to live in our past. I don't care if you're 96 years old and got saved yesterday or you're six years old and got saved yesterday. God still wants to redeem you and get you out of the bondage of your past so you don't continually repeat the weaknesses of your former identity. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, I'll show you that this morning. When you got born again, there was not a radical change that took place. You were given a brand new life. A brand new from the inside out life. Now think about this just for a moment. You know, the animals of creation, the animals of nature are all clothed how? From the inside out. The inside out. The feathers grow, the fur grows, the scales on the fish grow. They all grow from the inside out. That means on the inside of them, they are equipped with something that covers them. We have to wear this stuff. You say, well, didn't, weren't they naked in the garden? They lost their covering. And one of the ways God gives that back, their covering was what? Their identity as being sinless before God in the garden. And when they sinned, they lost their identity. You know what they got when they sinned? They got a past. You say, why? Because their past affected them the rest of their life. So Jesus came, died on the cross so that you could be born again and be delivered from your past so that you can enter into your future. Amen. Now, I want to show you a couple of examples. The bottom line to what the redemptive messages of Pastor Mark Hankins did for me was to help me to see myself as God sees me. Now, let me say that again. It helped me to see myself as God sees me. And as I begin to see myself, then I begin to say about myself what God says about me. Then my opinion of myself and my past changed and God gave me grace to live with my past. See, God doesn't erase it. He gives you grace to live with it. Grace to live with it means there may be things in your past that you can maximize to help win people to the Lord. I've done that many times. When people that I've ministered to one-on-one, they had drug problems, this problem, that problem. I even had one say to me, Preacher, you don't know what it's like to be on drugs. I said, Honey, I do. (laughs) Amen. I mean, I did not experiment with drugs. I was into full-scale investigation. (laughs) Amen. And so I'm telling you that, you know, you can relate because of your past to people, but you don't have to live in your past and let your past dominate you. And listen, what I mean by that, see, a lot of people say, well, I was, I wasn't a drug addict. I wasn't an alcoholic, but you were a human. And you have an identity connected to your humanity. Everything from your gender to your race to how much money you have to how big, how much education you do or don't have. All of that is your identity. But God wants to crack, break and crack that off of you so that your identity now becomes what God says about you, not what you've done for yourself. Good, bad, or ugly. You say, well, I've seen other people that they never did drugs. They never did, they never did anything bad. They went to school. They went to college. They got their degrees. But God had to deliver them of pride. God had to deliver them of arrogancy. 
God had to deliver them of all kinds of things to help them be the person that God called them to be and see, help them to see themselves the way God sees them. Listen, if you see who you be, this is one of Mark's, Pastor Mark's uh, 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 quotes, Mark Hankins. If you see who you be, it will change what you do. A lot of you have been trying to change what you do and you're, pr and you're frustrated because you do that through willpower. But when you see who you be, it will change what you do because God includes uh, uh, excuse me, redemptive power, the power of the resurrection to help you change after you've been br made brand new. Anybody, anybody know what I'm talking about? Now notice Gideon here. You know, the Midianites had come. They'd spread themselves on the land. What was unique about the Midianites is the Midianites would leave Israel alone until the harvest came. And when the harvest came, they came and took the harvest. Now, how'd you like that to happen to you? I mean, here you're planting and you're growing and there's your crops in the field. And about the time it's time to go out to harvest, you walk out the door and it's all been cut down and an army's walking off with it. Well, that's what was happening to them. So God found a man called Gideon. Now, notice this. We find it there in verse, uh, verse 11. It said, and there came an angel of the Lord and sat under... An oak, which was an Oprah, that pertained unto Joash. And Joash, uh, uh, the Abizrite, and his son, Gideon, threshed wheat by the winepress to hide it from the Midianites. Now notice this again. He threshed wheat by the winepress. Now here's why God chose Gideon right here. You say why? Even though there was great oppression on the nation, he was still involved in seed time and harvest and he still had a crop. And he was what? He was hiding it from the enemy because he knew if the enemy got it, he'd lose it. So he'd done some thinking. You know, every year we grow these crops. Here come the Midianites. They take them all away. I lost one one year and next year. I'm not going to lose it this year. So I'm going to grow a crop and I'm going to reap it before they can get it. So that's what he's doing. And the angel of the Lord appears to him. Now notice what happens. It says, and the angel Lord appeared unto him and said unto him, the Lord is with thee. The Lord is with thou. The Lord is with thee. Thy, now notice this, thou mighty man of valor. Everybody say mighty man of valor. Man of valor. And Gideon said unto him, now notice, oh my Lord, if the Lord be with us, if the Lord be with us, why then is all this befallen us? And where be all his miracles, which our fathers told us, saying, uh, saying, did not the Lord bring us from Egypt? But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Now, what, what, what kind of response is that? Now, think about that. That'd be like an angel appearing in front of you and say, praise God. Amen. Uh, 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 uh. Chris Rojas, you are a new creature in Christ. You are more than a conqueror. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I'm telling you, you're a man. And he goes, well, you don't understand. I ain't been able to pay the light bill. And I got a flat on my car. And, and you know, my wife's going to have a baby. And I don't know what to do. And we ain't got no diapers. And I'm telling you, life is rough, God. When are you going to do something? That's not true. We're just picking on Chris. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I mean, I mean that's, that, that's what Gideon was doing. Well, if God is with us, how come we're in such trouble? Well, he's come to help get them out of trouble. Amen. Now notice what it says. 
It says, and the Lord looked upon him and said, go in this thy might. You say, what might? The might was in the word God was giving him. Go in this in thy might and thou shalt save Israel from the hands of the Midianites. Have not I sent thee? Now notice this. Here's Gideon's response. He said unto him, O my Lord, wherewith shall I save Israel? Behold, my family is poor in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Now we laugh at Gideon, but we do the same thing. God is saying, Gideon, this is how I see you. I see you as a mighty man of valor. I see you as a deliverer of Israel. I see you as a, as a man that can follow the plan of God. I see you as a man that will be bold. I see, I'm seeing something in you that you don't see yourself. So I'm revealing to you, Gideon, how I see you so you can get the job done. Well, God's doing the same thing. to that, That's literally what God wants to do to you after you're born again. That's why so many people get frustrated. Listen, I was walking around in those days back in 1984, fixing to go to Bible school. I was so intimidated. I mean, all of the things that were in my life, I'm like, oh my God, you know, how is this going to happen? How am I going to ever have money again? You know, the Lord told me, don't work in the secular world. He said, you're going to be in the ministry your whole life. I'm like, how's that going to work? I didn't like preachers. I really didn't. I mean, as I grew up as a kid, preachers would come to my daddy's house and cry until he opened his checkbook. That has an effect on children. Amen? And so I was like, I don't want to be somebody asking for money or doing this. I mean, I was very intimidated. But when I began to see myself as God saw me, it began to change everything in my life. I began to see myself as enabled. I began to see myself empowered. I, be I began to see myself forgiven. That's one of the number one things people must see themselves is in the light of God's forgiveness. The blood of Jesus has cleansed you from all sin, all unrighteousness. It has delivered you from your past, cleansed you from everything you done and also made provision for anything you will do in the future. Amen. Amen. So why in the world would we just sit around thinking, well, I'm black or I'm white or I'm a man or I'm a woman. I can't do this. I can't. Listen, you can do anything God's called you to do. I remember reading a book. It was not written by Catherine Kuhlman or anyone connected to her ministry, it was written by somebody who interviewed her and then was given the, the, the permission to, to write this book. And she said in her book, it was an amazing thing. Because, you know, if anybody knows about the, the gift of God in their own life, it should be the person with the gift. Because people would say, well, she's a prophet or she's a great... You know what she called herself? She called herself the handmaiden of the Lord. She said this. She said, I don't, I don't uh, stand in any office a fivefold ministry. I'm not a prophet. A, uh, I'm not an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. I'm the handmaiden of the Lord. And so she said this. She said, when God brought this ministry to me in prayer, this is what he said. Now, she ought to know she's the one that prayed. She said, the Lord told her, I've offered this ministry to five men who would not take it, so I'm bringing it to you. Amen? And she saw herself through the eyes of God and saw all the people that she would bless and all the people that would be delivered, all the people that would be healed and set free. You know, it cost her her marriage. She told her father, uh, she told her husband, I'm going into the ministry that God has called me and he divorced her immediately. But the rest is history of the millions of people that were touched by her life. God has a, how can I say this? He has a template 
that we all fit into as his children. But in that template that we all fit into, as we begin to get released from all these other identifying traits, well, I'm an ex-drug addict, ex-alcoholic, or I was a proud person, or, or I'm black or white, or I'm Hispanic, or I'm, or I'm Asian, or I'm male or female, or I'm rich or poor, or I'm educated, or uneducated. All of that is erased as God brings this new identity to the forefront in your life, and you begin to see yourself as God sees you, which when you see yourself as God sees you, only through the Word of God, it imparts the faith for you to be what God sees you as. He wants to see you as a new creature. He wants to see you functioning as the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen? So Gideon, he was having a hard time with everything that God uh, was telling him. But finally he got the job done. We know the end of the story. Now, go to Luke chapter 1, very familiar portion of Scripture. Story of the Incarnation. Mary, Mary and uh, Gabriel that came to, him, came to her. It says in, uh, let me find it here. In verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God, everybody say from God, to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph, the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. Everybody say Mary. And the angel came to her and said, now look, notice this, notice this, hail, Thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Amen. Here's an angel. Probably pretty awesome. Standing up there looking down at her. Hail. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Now, now you'd have thought she was going, glory to God. Hallelujah. I've been waiting all day for the, no, no, no. The, the next scripture says, uh, and when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. Now, wait a minute. God says to Mary, here's how I see you. Blessed, highly favored. The Lord is with you and you're blessed among all the women of the earth. That's what he said. And she's going, he trying to pick me up? Amen. The Bible says, number one, she was troubled. She began to get troubled at the saying. Amen. Then she began to cast where? In her mind. See, oh, can I do this? Your identity, your human identity finds resident in your mind. Your spiritual identity lies resident in your spirit. It is revealed by the word, but it's activated by you. Second, uh, excuse me, Colossians 2 uh, verse 20, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in. How'd you receive him? You believed in your heart. You confessed with your mouth. You believed in your heart. You confessed with your mouth. Mary's doing what we all do when we hear something preached that's glorious in which God's saying, this is how I see you. I see you healed. I see you prosperous. I see you blessed. Uh, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the sinner, he says, I see you saved. Come get your salvation. You have to act on it, amen? But now here's Mary, and she's sitting there, and this awesome event is happening, and instead of being happy or joyous, she's troubled. 
Amen. Now notice the next verse. This will show you what happens when you begin to get troubled about what God's saying about you. It says this, and the angel said unto her, fear not. What did it produce? It produced fear. Listen, I don't know everybody's background or what you come out of or some of you may denominations. You're not unworthy. You're not a worm in the dirt. Amen. You're not a poor old sinner saved by grace. You're none of that. You're none of that. You're not unworthy. You're not unholy. You're not unrighteous. You say, well, Pastor, you just... See, you're, you're, you're looking at your own behavior, your own activity, and judging yourself by yourself. You've got to judge yourself by the Word of God. Until you judge yourself by the Word of God, you'll never see yourself delivered. You'll never see yourself healed. You'll never see yourself prosperous. And you'll never see yourself the way your Father sees you. So Mary's struggling. Now notice what happens here. And said, Behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, shall bring forth a son, shall call his name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. The Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. He shall reign over the house of Jacob uh, uh, forever and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Let me find it there. And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore that also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall become the Son of God. Well, she should have said, Woo! Awesome! You mean I get to be the one to carry Jesus? Whoa! No other person on the planet. I'm going to be very unique in the history of mankind, and I was the one who carried God onto the earth. A woman. Seed of the woman shall bruise the head of the serpent. Amen? No, that's not what she said. <laughs> she said, how shall this be? Seeing I know not a man. She couldn't see it. She couldn't see it. But we know the rest of the story, how that angel got down there and said, boy, with God, nothing shall be impossible. And she just kind of abandoned herself to everything the angel said. She didn't have an explanation of what was going to happen. She didn't have the greater truths of redemption like we have. She didn't have the greater truths of faith in the spirit realm like we have. She just stepped back and said, hey, I don't know what to think about. Be it unto the handmaiden, according to thy word. And we know the rest of the story. Now, in closing, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Now, if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, Jesus is your Lord and Savior. We know by Romans 12, we should present our bodies a living sacrifice and renew our minds. So we're not conformed to this word, we're transformed into the kingdom of God. The renewing of the mind is the total convincing of the mind and soul that you don't have to live out of your mind and soul anymore. You can begin to live out of your spirit. That your identity is not going to come from this skin that is on your body. If that's your identity, you're going to be in trouble. You say, why? Because it's going to wrinkle, fade, get old, ugly, and grow warts and moles. Amen. I got to go to the mold. Pops went to heaven. He used to take me to the mold, doctor, you know. And so I'm going to have to go on my own. Amen. <laughs> but listen, you must understand, we draw so much of how we think how we make decisions and things just by, just by our humanity. But man, God has put his very spirit in you to abide forever, ever, ever. You're always going to be united with God through his Holy Spirit. My God, that is an awesome, awesome truth and reality. So when God began to reveal through his, through his apostle and prophet, the apostle Paul, when he began to reveal the reality 
of the new creation, it began to, people, people were so used to religion because religion you paste on you. It's what you do. But redemption comes from you and changes the very fountain of your existence. Now you're being motivated not by an iniquity on the inside which motivates you to sin. You're being motivated by righteousness which, which literally forces you to obey if you yield to it. Amen? Now notice, most people go straight to verse 17. Let's go to verse 16 before we get to verse 17. Verse 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Wherefore, henceforth, we know no man after the flesh. Everybody say, after the flesh. Now let me say that again. Look at the scripture. Wherefore, henceforth, we know no man, now notice, after the flesh. Okay, here we go. After their color, after their gender, when it says man, that's the word mankind. After their color, after their gender, after how much money they do or don't have in the bank, how big their education is, does not matter. No, no man or woman do not know mankind after what? The flesh, the identity of the You say, now what difference does that make? If you will make a decision, Lord, help me to see people in the spirit. You will have compassion on people you walk by every day that are hurting, fearful, and panicking over that which is coming on the earth. They can put on a good face. They can go to the beer joint at night and drink a couple of mixed drinks or, or go smoke them a joint or, or do something else to try to pacify and try to cal calm them down. But listen, in reality, they're terrified. They're terrified. I've talked to people the last two years. They're terrified. So you must understand, we must know people how. After the Spirit, you see somebody, no matter who they are, and they're not born again, you've got to see them as somebody that needs Jesus. And then if somebody does know Jesus and they're really hurt, you need to see them as someone that needs to be encouraged. You need to know people after the Spirit. Amen. Now notice this. Boy, I bet he got, I bet he got some feedback on this one. Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we Him no more. Whoa! <laughs> I can see the, the great camp meeting in Jerusalem. You know, you got... John the Beloved preaching. You got Peter the Apostle that got out of the boat and walked on the water. And then for the day meetings, we're going to have the Apostle Paul. He will teach us. Amen. So John the Beloved, his nights he preached, he gets up and preaches about how he walked with Jesus and talked with Jesus and he saw the miracles and he ate the bread and he ate the fish and he saw him die on the cross and he saw him come out of the grave. Woo! Glory to God. Everybody shouting, praising God, running around the church. People are getting healed, saved, delivered. Amen. Peter gets up and preached. Oh, I knew him. I knew him so well. I walked with him. I talked with him. I denied him at the time in which he needed me most, but he restored me. I got out of the boat and walked on the water. I saw signs, wonders, and miracles. Oh, he's such a good... And so everybody's rejoicing. Everybody gets healed, touched, blessed by God. So the day meeting, here comes the Apostle Paul, and he gets in the pulpit. You know, he wasn't eloquent. He wasn't, you know, like some of the people that are very flamboyant. And he gets up and says, well, you know, here's the deal. We shouldn't know anybody after the flesh. We need to know everybody by the Spirit. And you know, even speaking of Jesus, boy, we've heard some wonderful messages this week about Jesus. The Apostle Peter, oh, his time with Jesus. John the Beloved, oh, his time with Jesus. But you know, we don't even need to know Jesus after the flesh anymore. Just like what happened now probably happened back then. Everybody went, what does that mean? Amen. Now, 
The word know, study it. It means to experience Christ. You know what he was saying? He's saying in this scripture, he's not going to walk down the dusty trail of your life and walk into your life like he did in Jerusalem when he walked on the earth for 33 and a half years. You're going to have to not know the humble carpenter from Nazareth that gave his life for us. You're going to have to know the risen Savior that's seated at the right hand of the Father. You're going to have to get to know and experience the risen Savior that is your intercessor seating at the right hand of the Father that will take the entire volume of this covenant and stick it before God and say, those people down there in Galveston, they're saying they're new creatures. They're saying they're the righteousness of God in Christ. They're saying revival's going to happen. They're saying this is the last day. They're right on your page, God. They're right there doing what they're supposed to do at the time they're supposed to be doing it with the people they're supposed to be doing it with. That's, that's knowing Him after the Spirit. So I bet, I bet people didn't shout and run around the church when he taught those things. Actually, Peter, in his last letter, wrote, you know, we need to listen to Paul because the things he says are hard to hear. You say, what do you mean? How could a man come up with a message any more dynamic than somebody that actually walked with Jesus? God would visit someone and give them a revelation that would include all the people. So it wasn't the singular experiences of the apostles when they walked with Jesus. It was the finished work of Christ when he rose from the dead and made the new creature available so that you and I could not just change in our life, but we could be made brand new and then have such a life of change that it basically blows our mind. When you get down the road a little ways, you go, my God, what kind of life am I living? This is amazing. It's like I'm living in a dream. Even though you have trials, tribulations, trouble, God brings you through them all and gives you an everlasting joy on the inside that nothing on this earth can destroy if you'll feed it and allow it to be the standard of your life. Amen? Now, real quick, let me close a couple of, couple of quick scriptures. Now, let me read it in context here. Chapter 16, uh, verse 16 again. Chapter 5. Wherefore, henceforth know we no man after the flesh, yet though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Therefore, because of what I just said, don't know Christ after the flesh because you'll only judge yourself after the flesh. I mean, I've met wonderful denominational people. And I get up and teach on these things. Well, Pastor, you know, we're just all sinners. I'm like, I'm not a sinner. I'm not a sinner. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. He is my very own heavenly Father. Glory to God. I have access to Him. I have influence with Him. I speak His Word. His Spirit abides on the inside of me. I'm not some poor old sinner saved by grace. I'm what the Bible says in verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Well, I'm white or I'm black or I'm his. That's not going to carry you anywhere. That's not going to empower you. There are millions of white, millions of black, millions of Hispanic, millions of Asian, millions of any other ethnic diversity we can place on anybody. And that stuff affects you without your choice. It all affects you. Being a woman, being a man, being young or old, being black or white, Hispanic, doesn't matter. It all affects you without choice. But then you choose, oh, I want to get born again. I want Jesus to be my Lord and Savior. Then you choose to be filled with His Spirit. Then you choose the Word of God. Then you begin to study the Word of God. And you begin to study who you are in Christ. And the first thing you see is this, I'm a new creature. Woo! 
I'm a new creature. Glory to God. Not changed. I'm not a reproduction. And now I'm not a fix up. I'm not a restoration. I'm not a reproduction. I'm not a restoration. I'm a new. I'm a new. I said, I'm a new. I'm a new creature in Christ. Now notice the next part of the scripture. Old things have what? Passed away. Glory to God. You mean, Lord, I remember studying this. I remember praying. I remember, I remember being in, a, in Dr. Oscar Hamilton's guest bedroom in Harlingen, Texas, and praying, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, I'm tired of giving this wicked testimony of how bad I was for 12 years. I want to preach. I want to tell people about Jesus. And God spoke to me and said, you're an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony. And I'm like, that's fine, Lord. Let me teach on the blood of the Lamb. It's the word of my testimony I'm just having so much problems with. I don't like getting, and people were getting blessed and saved and delivered, and God was moving, but I I did not like telling that. And I'll never forget what God told me. He said this. He says, your problem is you think it's your unrighteous testimony that's going to put you over, but it's not your unrighteous testimony. It's your righteous testimony. How God sees you. He sees you as more than a conqueror. He sees you healed. Taking the word of God and fighting off every symptom that comes into your body. He sees you blessed financially using tithing and offering and, and giving in order to appropriate what God has for you in this dispensation. Amen. He sees you as his very own child. And he knows how to treat you as an individual and hold you close to his heart and share his heart with you. And Jesus is your Lord and he is your Savior and he is your healer. And it's his spirit that has redeemed you and caused you to be his very own righteousness. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things. What has passed away? Old things, the old way of life, the old way of thinking, the old way of looking at other people, the old way of doing things has passed away. It's died. It's gone. Where did it die? On the cross with our Savior. Amen. Amen. Then I like the next one. Behold. You know what the word behold means? It means look and see. Behold. All things are new. All things are new. You have a newness of life, a newness of spirit, a newness of direction, a newness of purpose, a newness of value. You say, well, because God, you are, his, you are his pearl of great price. See, many people read that story of the pearl of great price and think that pearl of great price is when a sinner finds God. That's not it. The pearl of great price. He says he would do what? He would go buy the field, sell everything he has, gives up everything, buy the field because he knew there was a pearl of great price. You are the pearl that he gave everything to purchase. He used his very own son and his blood to purchase you. How can you think of yourself as any less? And see, the problem is we all face trouble. We all slip back. Everybody has a time in which, you know, you sin or you do something wrong, and then you think, well, all that's just words. It's not just words. It's something you can turn back to and say, Father, you said old things pass away. I did that yesterday. I plead your blood. It cleanses me from what I did yesterday. Thank you that now I'm right back in the place I need to be. Because what we want to do in religion is we want to beat people up and hold them back because they make mistakes. My goodness, if God did that to us, nobody, none of us would ever get anywhere. One more scripture. Is that all right? Is this helping anybody? Now this one, this next one. Therefore, if any man be, be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself 
by Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. To wit, now notice this, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Can I read that verse in the Amplified just for a minute? Oh, Lord, that's all right. We got all day. Praise God. Listen, it was God personally present in Christ. Everybody say in Christ. Reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men or mankind their trespasses, but canceling them. Now hold on. You know, why, you, know why, you know why people don't come to churches like this? They don't think they're worthy to come here. Nobody's told them. Your sins have already been canceled. You just need to come get the receipt. He said, what's the receipt? New birth. Being born again. Amen. He's canceled them. Then he's committed unto who? Us. What? The reproduction of that. Going out and telling people, your sins have already been forgiven. Your sins have already been canceled. And if you will make Jesus your Lord and Savior, then he will apply his blood to your accumulated sins in your life and your sins will be remitted. That means removed from you as far as the east is from the west, which is a geographical phenomenon man's never been able to figure out. You can go north till you go south all day long, but you can't go east till you go west because it is an infinite measurement that God put in the earth to make your mind squirm. <laughs> Amen. People need to know their sins have been canceled. People, so many, how, many, how many of you, before you got saved, you thought God was mad at you? I mean, we all did. And that everything bad that happened in our life, that was, well, you know, <laughs> I deserve that. You know, a man upstairs, he's looking to whack me pretty good. And that's not true. The Bible says it's the thief that comes but for to steal and to kill and destroy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life, 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 the God kind of life. Last scripture, I promise. What is that last verse? I've got a line through it. 21? Yeah, 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, I remember years ago, I was flying down to a camp meeting in Corpus, driving down to a camp meeting in Corpus. And I was listening to a radio program. And actually, the guy was, quote, you know, he was correcting doctrine in his radio program by addressing the very heretic, uh, what do you call it, heretic? The very uh, uh, doctrine, the heretical doctrine of anybody in Christianity dare claiming they were righteous. Oh, I'm telling you, this guy, he tore everything to pieces. 
Now, there's charismatics talking about they're the righteousness of God in Christ. I've never heard anything so preposterous in all my life. Why, we are but filthy rags. We're poor old sinners saved by grace. Well, it's just by the grace and mercy of God that we can take one step at a time every day. He looks it over us. Yes, he loves us, but there's a judgment that will come on you. And I was like, I'd rather listen to rock music than this. At least I know that's wrong. <laughs> Amen. And I remember when it was, when it actually happened. I was driving in 1988 to Corpus Christi, Texas to preach in Freddie and Sylvia Naranjo's church, Tabernacle of Praise. And there was a football game on. It was the Texas High School Championship. And they ended up making a movie about it a few years ago when Odessa Permian played Dallas Carter. And that's what I turned the radio to to listen to on the way home because I didn't want to listen to this idiot any longer. What can you do to be righteous? We think of people like Christopher Alam, gave his life, gives his life. Millions of people, oh, if I could just be, a, then I know somehow maybe I could obtain to a little piece of rights, oh, just to, just to buy. Or maybe, maybe, a, maybe, a, maybe a Paul and Shoddy Chase give their life, go to the Philippines, build church. No. When you got born again, part of your identity is that you as a believer have perfect right standing with God. That means you have the access, you have the favor, you have the blessing that Jesus himself has. When God looks at you and sees you, he doesn't see your past, he doesn't see your gender, he doesn't see your ethnic background, he sees you through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and everything the word says about you. Come on, church. So you need to begin to what? As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. On that day in Dr. Oscar Hamilton's guest bedroom, I wrote myself a brand new testimony. And I've been preaching that for 38 years. I'm a new creature in Christ Jesus. Glory to God. All things are passed away. All things are new for me now. Now. He that knew no sin. Oh my God. How precious was he? How pure was he? How holy was he? My God. And he stretched his arms on that cross. And he took every wicked thing I ever thought or did. And he accumulated into his being. Along with yours and everyone else's. And he held it there. And it killed him on that cross. He could have never died. Because only sin brings death. But as he began to, as Isaiah 53 paints the portrait, as he began to be wounded for our transgression, as he began to be bruised for our iniquity, as the chastisement of our peace came upon him, and as his back was laid open by the cat of nine tails, we are healed. In so doing that, he made an acclamation of everything that was wrong with the human family. Sin, disease, wretchedness, addictions, you name it, he brought it on the cross. Then he said this, it is finished. I've got it all. I've got it all. The Bible says his vestige was so marred, you could look on him on the cross and couldn't even tell he was a man. He was re-writhing with a, with a pain, not just of the nails, not just of, the, of his back being struck, not, not just of, the, of, the, of, the, of all the abuse, but of our sin and our wretchedness and our evilness. And everything that was of the devil that had gotten into man, he took it 
Then he died. And when he died, he received our punishment. Because how can we be truly redeemed if our punishment... Now, there's another area in which most of the denominational denominations of the world will cry, heretic, heretic, heretic. He did not go to hell. He went to paradise. I can show you in the Word. I've done it several times here. He took your sin and he took your punishment. But then he rose again from the dead so you could have his life. And when he rose again from the dead, he says, now, not a covenant, not a covenant of blood of the bulls and goats. Just think, they were healed under the covenant. You know, when healing, when they even denied healing, did you know what God did for Israel when it denied healing? You couldn't go, used to, you should be able to go to the temple and be healed. You study the old covenant. They did for many years when they were right with God. Under David, under Solomon, other, of, under other kings. If they were sick, they'd go to the temple. There was a ritual and you were healed. They had forsaken it. They had gotten away from it. But God didn't forsake him. He sent an angel to stir a pool in which all kinds of suffering people laid around. And one person at a time received a miracle on a daily basis because of God's mercy and compassion. And one man laid there 38 years, sick, dying. When Jesus came to him, he said, will you be made whole? And what did he look at? He looked at the stir, the angel that would come down and trouble the water. And he said, I have no man. I have no man. See, that's what, that's what religion does. Look to the man. Look to the man. Look to the pope. Look to the priest. Look to the pastor. Look to the preacher. We don't do that around here. I had, I had, we, we're not building this church to see how close I can get you to me. I'm trying to get you close to him. Amen. And that word of God walked in said, will you be made whole? And his response was not faith. His response was 38 years of frustration. I have no man when the water is troubled to put me in. But while I'm coming, another steppeth down before me. And Jesus gave him just what he needed. A word from God. Because encapsulated in that word was the power he needed to break that 38 years. Get him up off that sick bed, death bed. He said, rise, take up your bed and walk. He had a choice. He had a cho I don't know if he felt something. I don't know what it was, but something motivated him. And he rose and he took up his bed and walked. You know, in that is a beautiful picture of what God's doing and fixing to do right now. You say what? We're going to see the stirrings. We'll see it in services. If you serve God, you'll see it out there in the public sometimes in the parking lot of a restaurant or at, a, at the beach or at the, in the bay fishing with somebody, hanging out, and, and that stirring will come and you'll minister to them. Right? I've had it happen to me in all kinds where the Spirit of God will just come on me. You minister to somebody right there. And they'll stir in the church. There'll be meetings and conferences, things we do, healing power, delivering power, rejoicing, all that. It'll, it's that stirring, that stirring. But then we always have the Word that's walking through there. Will you be made whole? Will you be made whole? You don't have to wait for the stirring. You can respond to the Word. And you've got to realize, church, in these days that are coming, notice how the world system are doing everything they can try to do to divide us on every level. But in Christ, that's the greatest unity on the planet because all this other superficial stuff disappears and the true heart of who we are unites us. 
That's why I pray over the church all the time. Give us a spirit of unity, bond of peace. You say, how does the spirit of unity, how does the bond of peace come? It comes by each and every one of us recognizing, hey, that person's a new creature. That person's the righteousness of God in Christ. That person's a child of God. Amen? I saw one time, supernaturally, God heal about 10 marriages all at one time. 10 marriages, supernaturally, boom, just like that. I know, because I went back to the church and preached for many years. So it has to be a stirring. See what I'm saying? A stirring. But in that stirring, something very powerful was revealed. I went to all of the men that stood in that line, and I said, look at me. And they looked at me, and I said, you're married to God's daughter. You need to treat him, treat them like God's daughter. Then I went to the, men, to the women and I said, you're married to God's son. You need to treat them like God's son. And when I said that last word, they all fell on the floor. Boom! Stirring. But you can hear that word and be stirred by it. Amen? We've seen that all down through ministry. Little words that God will give. Remember the one on forgiveness. God gave that to us by the Holy Ghost in which a broken woman, so broken she could find no way to forgive. And the Lord showed us through the Word of God that Stephen did not say, I forgive you when they pelted him with rocks. He said, Father, lay not this sin to their charge. Even Jesus, when he hung on his cross in his humanity, he didn't look down at the Roman soldiers and the, and the Sanhedrin and the, I forgive all you guys. No, he said, Father, forgive them. God gave us to that supernatural, gave us that supernatural. In God good. Lift your hands and worship God for a moment. Father, we worship you. We glorify your name. Thank you. Jesus, you did not just fix up an old broken model of something. You rolled out something brand new. We are new creatures in Christ. We are the righteousness of God. We are more than conquerors. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the earth. Father, as we say it, as we sing it, as we praise and worship you with it, thank you, it becomes the reality of who we are, our identification. Hallelujah. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. Put your hands down just for a moment. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, that all sounds so good, but I, I, I'm just not living right. I'm not doing right. Or if you say, Pastor, I, I, that sounds great, but I, I've never really made Jesus my Lord and my Savior. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you must be born again. He emphasized it. You must be born again. Or you will not understand, see, comprehend, or know anything about the kingdom of God. If you're here today, you say, Pastor, I've never been born again. Or if you say, Pastor, I've been born again, or I've broken my fellowship. I'm not right with God. I'm prodigal. I need to return to the Lord. Please pray with me. If that's you, would you lift your hand right now? We want to pray with you. We're not going to call you up, make a spectacle in any way. You'll be able to pray right there where you sit. But if that's you, be honest with God and say, that's me, Pastor. I need to be right with God. If that's you, raise your hand right now. God bless you. One person has raised their hand. Another has raised their hand. That's two. Anyone else would say, that's me, Pastor. Please include me in the prayer. Include me in that prayer. I want to be right with God this morning. I'm going to look one more time. Help me, ushers, one more time. If you've already raised your hand, you don't have to raise it a second time. But if you've not raised your hand, if God's dealing with your heart, listen, yield to His dealings in your heart. Get right with God. Let God touch your life. Anyone else, real quick, would say, that's me. Raise your hand real quick. Anyone else? 
Praise God. Well, good. Thank God for two that have raised their hand. Let's all stand. Let's all stand, if you will. Now, quickly, you that raised your hand, I want you to pray out loud. We're all going to help you. We're all going to pray out loud with you. We're here to support you and encourage you in this prayer. Pray this prayer out loud so your own ears hear what your mouth is saying. With the heart man believeth, with the mouth confession is made unto. Amen? So, and as you pray that prayer, when we say amen, you that have raised your hand, I want you to settle it in your heart. I don't care what you did yesterday, what you did last year, or all your life does not matter. I want you to settle this. I am right with God. Amen? Then we like to say it like this. When you get right, everybody know what we say? We're going to stay right. Amen? You ready to pray? Everybody out loud, Heavenly Father. Right now, openly and publicly, I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Heavenly Father, I believe you sent your son Jesus, virgin born, lived a sinless life, did signs, wonders, and miracles, died on the cross, rose from the dead, did it all for me. I believe it. I receive it. I accept it. Areas of my life that do not please you. My faith is in your blood. I confess my weakness, my inabilities to you, Lord. Thanking you right now, the blood is applied. I'm cleansed from all sin and all unrighteousness. Heavenly Father, you know my weaknesses. Help me and I will not be prodigal again. I will rise up. I will walk with you. I will talk with you. I will read your word. I will come to church. I will do that, which I need to do. Trust in you, Lord, to do that, which you need to do in my life. In Jesus' name. As I stand in the sanctuary of Island Church, Galveston, Texas, I am right with God. January 30th, 2022, I've gotten right. I'm staying right. I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Now shout and glorify. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Father, thank you so much for today. Your presence, your power, your word and your blessing are overwhelming. We're so thankful. We love you. We care about you. You're our life. You're the love of our life. We thank you, Father, today as we leave. You're so, you're so mindful toward us that you left in the Word words that operate, manifest here on the earth to keep us safe, to protect us. Psalms 91. Holy Ghost, that was your masterpiece. As you pen from the heart of the Father, through the very Word of God, through the hand of of the great King David, Israel. No evil befalls us. No plague comes in our dwelling place. The angels of God have charge over us. A thousand can fall at our side. Ten thousand at our right hand. It will not come nigh us. Only with our eyes will we behold and see the reward of the wicked. Father, we thank you this week. The righteous labor of our hands and the travel that we do on the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation, we declare our protection. Satan, you're under our feet. We push back against accidents, trauma, terror, 
evil plans of wicked men or the devil himself. We push back against the pandemics, the epidemics, the medical things the devil's trying to do to infirm and kill. Lord, we've been delivered. We've been delivered. We're the righteousness of God in Christ. We're more than conquerors and we corporately exercise that faith. Say no devil, no devil in Jesus' name. Thank you for evangelism being stirred in all of our hearts. We lift up this event. We pray over Mr. Daryl Strawberry. Father, I know he's coming here for more than he thinks. <laughs> and Father, I thank you that by the time the weekend is over, you will touch every person that comes. You'll touch our church and you'll touch him. And he will be blessed. Father, we thank you for the souls that will be saved, for those that will come back to the Lord, and for the stirring of God that will begin on this island through what you're doing in Jesus' name. Thank you as we leave today, Father. We walk in faith and love towards you. We love you so much. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.